Black Star Woodcrafts. That is the place you want to go. You got to check it out. I've been talking about the top of almost every single podcast. And my buddy Scott, who owns and operates Black Star Woodcrafts, makes some absolutely amazing things. Everything from bath caddies to pens to bottle toppers. I mean, you name it. He is an absolute artist in his workshop. And I highly, highly, highly recommend that you check it out. Not only because he's a sponsor of this podcast, but just because he is an all-around awesome dude. Um, he's not going to screw around with you. Um, he loves collaborating with his customers. He loves talking to them about what kind of ideas it is they have. Because everything he makes is to order. He doesn't just crank out a bunch of product and then sell it. He likes that collaborative process. And he likes the artistry of it. And you can contact him right through Facebook and Instagram. Go to either one of those. Look him up, message him directly through there. He'll get back to you, and you can start that whole process. We're getting kind of close to holiday shopping time, folks. You want to get a family or friends something that's unique and different and not just another Kohl's gift card? Blackstar Woodcrafts is the way to go. And because you're listening to this podcast and because he's the sponsor of this podcast, you will get 10% off your order if you say you got there through the Finch Show. So go, check it out. You won't be disappointed. Get something awesome. Tell them Finch that you, and you'll be good to go. Today on the podcast, I have got a woman coming on who is absolutely amazing, absolutely hysterical. Her name is Maddie Wiener. And I first came across her like just before everything. I'm going to talk about this on the podcast, so I don't know why I'm telling you now, but I'm going to anyway. Is just before everything shut down due to COVID, uh, my wife and I went to Chicago and went to the Laugh Factory. And she was on stage and was just hysterical. I mean, just absolutely killed it. And it was only like a 15-minute bit, but it was just, oh, my God. My wife and I talked about it the whole ride home about how great it was. I reached out to her. She agreed to come on the podcast. We sat down. We did this thing via Zoom. And it was really, really great. So I hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, here is Maddie. Okay. All right. We can see each other. We can hear each other. I am here with Maddie Wiener. Um, she is a comedian. Um, I have to tell you, my wife and I, we, we kind of laugh because we live out here in Freeport, Illinois, which is kind of out in the boonies, you know, we're a small town, only about, you know, 30 some thousand people. And both me and my wife absolutely love stand-up comedy. You know, we love watching that Netflix, anything we can find on YouTube. But there aren't any comedy clubs out here at all, obviously, because, you know, and we, for the first time in our lives, we went to a comedy club. We went to the Laugh Factory, um, which ends up an interesting story because it was literally ended up being like, it was in March and it was like right before everything shut down. Mm. You know, it was like our last like outing as an experience before like COVID and everything shut down. And it was, I don't know technically what they call it, but it was one of those nights there at the Laugh Factory where it was just one comedian after another. I think each you got like 15 minutes. And um, you got up there and I'm not trying to put too fine a point on, but we're by far the funniest one that night. My wife and I oh, just thanks. rolled and <laughs> laughed and laughed and we couldn't like stop quoting you the, the whole 
two hour drive back to Freeport, Illinois. It was just absolutely oh, hysterical. You. And um, when I told my wife, because we talked about you a couple times since then, when I told my wife you were coming on the podcast, she was really excited, Mac. She's kind of upset that I wouldn't let her sit right here next to me and be in on this podcast just because she wanted to hear it. But <laughs> so first of all, props to you. That was that was absolutely amazing. Um, so I guess I'll get right into it. Obviously, being a comedian, where did where did that start for you? Um, I started in North Carolina when I was like 16 in high school. Um, so yeah, I'm 22 now. So I've been doing it about six years. Um, and then yeah, I was in North Carolina for like three or four years there and then I've been in Chicago about four years now so yeah that doesn't add up to six but something along those lines <laughs> <laughs> did, did you have a point in your childhood where you're like I like making people laugh that's kind of fun uh you know it's weird because I kind of almost got into stand-up on accident like there was this open mic night by my house in high school and I was like oh that just seems like a fun way to like kill some time tonight like I was like a theater kid and stuff so I was definitely like had been performing a lot since I was really young. And then I was like, oh, I'll just like give it a shot. And then I met some guys there, um, two great comics, uh, Kenyon Adamchick and Sam Prickett, who people should check out, they're really funny. Um, and they were like, oh yeah, there's like this whole scene here, like you should come. And they kind of like showed me the ropes of like this whole North Carolina scene. And then like three months into doing that, I was like, oh, this is like, this is what's up. And then I kind of just stuck with it. Uh, <laughs> now it's like definitely my thing. Now it's much more intentional, but. <laughs> I always think it's kind of an interesting question um, because some of the few comedians that I've talked to, or I should say listen to, I spend the majority of time listening to comedians and I especially so enjoy some of those podcasts that are by comedians that have another comedian on and they kind of get into the discussion of the science of comedy. Um, it's always interesting to me how some comedians will go on and on about how you know, their dad was hilarious or their mom was hilarious growing up. And you got other ones who are like, no, neither one of my parents were funny. And yet somehow, whichever angle they come from, they're obviously funny people or they wouldn't be doing stand-up comedy. Mm. Which, which end of the spectrum on that were you? I don't know. My parents or my dad especially is like very funny. So I guess there's that. Um, yeah, my dad's funny. My dad is like a very dark sense of humor. Um, but I don't know, because it is weird that you like hear so many different comedians like, like the the you know quote unquote reasons why people are funny seem to be so different and then like the the and then people's types of humor are so different too so it's like interesting to see like oh that can be born out of like anything and like i don't know i think sometimes people think of it as kind of like limiting where it's like i mean i i also i don't i don't mean to stand up on a pedestal and be like where did i get this fabulous gift like i'm not really anybody but like but it is interesting to be like, oh, why are people like drawn to this thing that's like a kind of like, I don't know, like a weird lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But but it, and it's so weird because like, I don't know, once you like, like when I started doing comedy, it was the most like eclectic group of people I've ever met just across everything, across age and race and gender and like hobbies and lifestyle. Like, I feel like it really like attracts a lot of different like types of people. And like, especially like, lo like I don't know, I like love local comedy scenes. It's like such a fun, like, yeah, I, like I, I think a lot of people don't know that they even exist like when mm -hmm. I started I was kind of like oh you do like two open mics and then you're like Whitney Cummings or something and it's like no there's like this whole world of like I don't know local comedy is just like it's such a that's like some of the weirdest fucking people I've ever met in my life <laughs> <laughs> like and it's it's awesome 
Well, it's cool. You, you kind of, and I'm again speaking at this from the outside, but you kind of get the feeling that it's almost kind of like a God, and I hate to be sexist here, but almost like a brotherhood. Like, you know, people who get to know each other and, you know, work together a lot. And it's always interesting when you come across those situations where you'll have two comedians who are pretty famous who seem like they're almost on opposite ends of the spectrum. And then they'll get talking to be like, Oh yeah, actually they've known each other for 20 years. They used to work in the Boston scene together or something like yeah, that. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah. And I mean, I'm definitely not, you know, I'm in the grand scheme of things. I'm definitely a newbie at this, but like, but, but yeah, I think they're from, at least from what I've experienced, like, yeah, there is a very, like, I don't know. It's just like a similar mindset. And I feel like comics are like, for me, I'm like, oh, any comic, even if our styles are totally different, even if it's like someone from like a different scene, like across the country, it's like, you can instantly like, it, they're, they're just easy to get along with them. Or there's like a, there's like a common thread, which for better or worse, because one time <laughs> my friend and I like went to, we went to Philadelphia and we were like, it was like Halloween and we were like, oh, well, you know, we don't know anybody in the city. Let's like do an open mic. And we went to an open mic and it was like, this just is it okay if i curse on this oh yeah yeah it was yeah. this is shitty god-awful dive bar and i mean the comics were great they were great people but it was just this shitty dive bar like five people were like oh it's depressing and then we stood outside and people were just in a circle having a conversation about joe rogan and dmt and i was like this is the same at every open mic in the entire country like for better or worse that is like it's like mcdonald's or something where you're like i know anywhere i go this is going to taste exactly the fucking same right There's like a formula to it that's crazy bro have you tried dmt i've always wanted to say that on my podcast and my head. <laughs> <laughs> that is really really awesome was it so um you said you're from south carolina was it comedy that brought you to chicago or was it something else yeah it was actually um it was, uh, so I was, I was in North Carolina and then I was graduated high school and I was like, my plan was to just graduate high school, chill in North Carolina, like do stand up and then move to New York in a couple of years. And then, um, a lot of my friends from the comedy scene ended up coming to Chicago to do comedy. Um, like a whole circle of my best friends. And then I was like, and then after like a couple months of working in a restaurant, I was like, this sucks. I should go to college. And so I went, came to college in Chicago. So it was mostly for the comedy scene, but I'm also, I'm in my senior year of college right now. Oh, so okay. I'm still finishing that out. What college are you at? I'm at Columbia College, Chicago. Oh, what are you majoring in? Um, I'm doing like a double major in, uh, in acting and screenwriting. Oh, okay. Which is, yeah, sort of, I mean, tangentially related to stand up. but this, the school is great. I mean, it's like an art school and um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's not like a, like, I, I think some people, like are like oh you're missing out on it if you're in the city because you don't have like a campus and all the sports and stuff and it's like yeah but I'm like mostly in Chicago to do stand up so it's been a really good fit. Well that's good. Well that's interesting. I when you because you, you had said through our emails that you were you know in school and I kind of wondered myself I said wouldn't that be kind of bizarre if like the majors were something completely unrelated like I'm yeah, like majoring in accounting and you know tax law <laughs> and it's like oh okay I guess I could see that you know. <laughs> Chicago's got a, a really rich comedy history. I mean, some of the comedians that have, I mean, even when you go back to like, you know, the, I think like the earliest beginnings of like the first season of SNL mm. and like, like, I, I don't, I don't know exactly, but it felt like half that cast was from Chicago, you know, Bill Murray and I think Chevy Chase and a lot of people yeah. who came through like the Laugh Factory and Second City and. Yeah, I think Second City is like a huge funnel for SNL. Yeah. For sure. Which that's like a whole side of the comedy scene that I'm not really tapped into at all, like improv and sketch and stuff. And I like 
think it's like a totally other skill set. And and like there's so many funny people who do that in Chicago, and it's like cool to watch because I'm like I wouldn't even know how to begin to do that. Right. Well, that brings me to a question I had for you and like working on material, what's usually the process for that? Do you just kind of begin just sort of brainstorming and writing jokes? Is it? It's like so, I don't know, like, like, I don't feel like I have like a, like, like tied down process just because every time a joke works, it just feels like, oh, like that was probably the last time. That was like a fluke accident. Like, I don't know how that <laughs> happened. And because I am because I'm so like, new at this you know compared to people who are like who really really have been you know made a career out of this or anything that I'm like I don't, I'm still kind of figuring a lot of that out but I, I like to like free write even if it's not funny and then if I go back and read it and I'm like oh that's like something but I feel like a lot of times like something just happens in life and then you're like like an offhanded comment in your head and you're like oh that's I should kind of continue down that path and then I actually sit down and like try to like write it write it right now is there like um I know it like, feels weird. I'm trying to figure out exactly how to ask this, but it's sort of like um, you hear a lot of times comedians say that they're sort of like, they'll think of something and they're kind of like, there's a joke there, but I'm not quite sure how to hammer it out correctly or phrase it correctly. Mm. Do you ever have kind of one of those you're working on for a while and you sort of try and open mics and see if it's gonna... Totally. And I think like that's something that, like, like that that feeling of like, Oh, I I know why this is funny to me, but I need to communicate to I need to get a room of people to s see the joke the same way I am. Like I feel like that's something that I'm like I'm working on because like I feel like I, like when I like started, I feel like it was more like wordplay or simple things that it's like there's no way to misconstrue this. It's just you know, a twist of words, whatever, that's funny versus like it's something that I really admire in like in, in comedians that I watch is like when they have like like a complex idea that they've made funny when the when the premise isn't just like like when the premise isn't maybe inherently funny it's like a topic in and of itself or a point in and of itself that I'm like that's just like a really a comedy aside that's a really interesting observation about the world and then they make that funny I feel like that's like such a whole nother level that I watch comics do and like I feel like that's a big jump that like I would hope to make someday. Yeah. Like, does that make any sense though? You know what I mean? Where it's oh like, yeah, 100%. Because there are a lot of times I'll, I'll be listening to a comedian and I'll think about a joke they did, especially when it's like a really long setup. Mm -hmm. You know, the punchline at the end is hilarious. And I sort of begin in, in my head sort of like reverse engineering the joke. Like, where did this start for you? Yeah. Okay, you just did this really long joke about something that, just like you said, when you look at it prima facie, isn't funny. But the setup and everything that led up to it, and then boom, drop the punchline, and you're rolling on the ground. You know, some of those guys mm. like Dave Chappelle and Bill Burr are both really, really good at that. Um, Whitney Cummings is too. And it, it's, it, I always, I enjoy those comedians. I'm not trying to get off on a tangent. I enjoy yeah. those comedians where they bring up a subject, and right away, you kind of, your hair kind of stands on the back of your neck, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Are you sure you want to go down this path? And they go down the path, and it's hysterical. You know and with what I mean? them too, I get the sense of, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're fine. I, I get the sense too that it's like, they're not just, and I, I think there's probably something that comes with doing, I mean, I wouldn't know, but watching them, I feel like, oh, this is probably something that comes with doing stand-up 20, 30 years where they're just like, it's just like walking or breathing to them. You know what I mean? Where it's like, if they have a thought, they can 
put it in the lens of being funny or in being a bit. And I think that versus like, like, oh, I just had a thought that's funny, so I'll stick to that. Like, no, I have something I want to say and I know how to like do that through stand-up. I think that's like such an amazing skill. And I think that's something that like a lot of people's favorite comics do where you get a sense like, oh, they have like a, a point they're trying to get across and they're so good at like wielding stand-up that they can use it to do that. That was like the nerdiest shit I've ever said, but no, wielding stand-up. But, but you know what I mean? Like, and it's just, it's cool to watch because it's like, that's my favorite moment watching comics is when it's like, like i mean all his personal bullshit aside not aside it was horrible but louis as an example let's say louis 10 years ago before anyone knew anything was like i just thought it was so cool to like that the the peak of his jokes would be like half the enjoyment was from like oh that's fucking hilarious and half the enjoyment was from like oh you've put words to this like invisible phenomenon that i didn't even realize i was aware of like i felt like he was like decoding the world sort of right and then he jerked off in front of women so you know i well you know yeah that was always <laughs> kind of the weird because for the longest time he was like on my like type top five list of most hilarious comics yeah and some of his stuff was beyond genius and i i for me i always love the comedians who are like irreverent who like just don't give a fuck about anything mm -hmm. and i'll never forget one of his specials that he did he came out on stage and when the applause calmed down and everything he's just like so abortion and yeah. it's like <laughs> and just let it like marinate just quiet and the whole crowd just kind of like nervous laughter and to me it was hysterical watching it because you're like you know what i'm not even gonna like mess around with this i'm just gonna go straight at it and just not care and i think the great things about some of the really great comedians were the people who could take something that shouldn't be funny and make it hysterical you know yeah um, there are some bits that i've seen where you know like we were talking earlier when you look at like the kind of jokes that you can't relate to another person without sounding like an asshole you mm. can't be like oh man dave Chappelle, man he did this great bit about michael jackson pedophilia it was hilarious yeah like that you could know? never come up in like a conversation or something that has right, to have yeah. this artifice and, yeah <laughs> that reminds me too what you said about um louis and the starting with abortion did you ever have you seen that clip of him talking he's giving like not a eulogy, but he's giving like a speech about George Carlin after he died. No. It's such a cool clip where he's, I, I just, I constantly feel like I should preface this with like, I'm not endorsing Louis C.K. or anything, but <laughs> I mean, I'm really nobody, so who gives a fuck? But, um, but, uh, oh, but it's this great clip where like, he's talking about listening to George Carlin and how he put out an hour like every year and how Louis at this point had been doing like, the same hour for like 15 years or something and he's talking about like if you just throw out all your old material it forces you to like dig deeper where you're like you know like oh i talked about my kids okay well if i scrap that material then what's below that and you just get down until you get to like your deepest fears and stuff which i mean i'm not saying that from the perspective of having done that or anything but it was so cool to listen to because then you watch his stand up and you're like oh this is someone who's like facing like the their shit I guess, and then we found out he really didn't face any of his shit, uh, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Are there, for you, <clears throat> do you kind of like, do you ever look at anything in particular and be like, yeah, that could be funny, but that's probably not something I should talk about, or is it just kind of like, eh, whatever, if it's funny, I'm going to say it? Um, If it's funny, I'm going to say it, but I will say like, there are some things that I'm like, like there are jokes I've done 
in the past that I probably won't repeat on here, but there are jokes we've done in the past that I've been like, okay, I've like learned more or I've, I mean, not anything like horrendous, but like, right. but jokes where I'm like, yeah, I don't really feel like doing that anymore just because it doesn't, I, I don't really know what it like adds to anyone's life and or or maybe something where I'm like yeah that's a funny joke but I'm probably not the one who should tell it or like I don't know I mean in general I think if it's funny it's funny but but and it also it goes hand in hand too because I think like if it's something you like the audience will tell you you know if it's something that you shouldn't talk about or something that it makes uncomfortable for makes people uncomfortable when you say it or something that sounds weird coming out of your mouth even if you're not like a like you know morally aware person it won't land either so it's not even like i don't even think it's this like i think it's actually pretty rare that you'll find a joke that's like oh that's funny and it kills but it's also really fucked up it's like if it's killing in every room with a lot of different types of people you've probably found a way to do it appropriately and if it's not it's probably upsetting people maybe that doesn't work all the time but i think that's a pretty general rule that like yeah, the audience will tell you if it's like fucked up unless you're only performing for audiences of shitty people. <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess if you do it a bit on something, the entire crowd just sits there and stares at you and there's kind of a, <clears throat> in the background and that's all you hear. It's kind of like, okay, maybe that one. But I think some- You're of like, the, yeah, I shouldn't have said that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think like some of the truly great comedians, you know, and we, we've covered this a couple times there where it feels like some of the subject matter that they do you know, you'd think to yourself, like, that isn't like, a, and granted me, I'm not a comedian, but if I were to sit there and be like, you know, if I was, that's not something I would ever do a bit about. Mm. But to the ones who are talented and skilled, it's kind of one of those where I, I sort of feel like there's not a whole lot that's taboo, provided it's done correctly, you know, yeah. and some of the grades could really just, and a lot of it, it was kind of like you were saying, it, it's funny because it's ridiculous. It's funny because it's out there and yeah, of course, everybody in the crowd and probably the comedian privately agrees that that's really fucked up and yada, 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 but they did it so well. I remember, um, I don't want to say in the eighties, Sam Kinison did this bit about starving children in Africa. Maybe they wouldn't be starving yeah. if they moved where food was, you know, it's completely insane, <laughs> you know, it's yeah, a completely like ridiculous concept, but you know, a lot of it, and it kind of brings me to the next question I had for you is that he was one of those people um, obviously taken before his time, but who was sort of a master in his own physical appearance and facial expressions and sort of being that, you know, kind of long-haired, sweaty, angry, yelling guy yeah. that he could say really ridiculous stuff and it was absolutely hilarious. So is there, I, I, I again, I don't know how to like ask this question uh, to get what it is I'm trying to ask, but kind of like what I was saying with Sam Kennison and sort of the, the the facial movements and that kind of stuff. Is that any kind of thing you ever work on? Do you ever like do bits in the mirror to like <laughs> work on timing or? Yeah, it's interesting. I like, um, I, yeah, I think how you carry yourself is like a big thing. Like, I don't know. I like to be like comfortable on stage. And a lot of times for me, that means wearing like just like a big shirt and like, you know, baggy jeans and kind of looking like a piece of shit because I'm like th that feels like funnier to me and I don't mean that as any judgment of people who like you know get dressed up and wear like makeup and dresses or a suit or whatever like I think that that works for some people and it works for their style but for me like if I feel like and it's weird because I talk about sex a lot but if I feel like it all sexualized by the audience 
it distracts me and I can't really do it. Like I, like I've, I've gone on stage sometimes wearing like a low cut top or a dress and stuff and it's fine, but I'm just like in my own head about it. And it's like, I like, I like being kind of like, I don't know. I like kind of like dressing like a piece of shit and I hope people, I don't know that the people, people are going to think I'm like disrespecting the show or something, or I was like, Oh, I'm not going to dress up for this. But I like, to me, I'm like, I don't know. I'm saying like dirty, gross stuff. So like, I feel like I should look like dirty and gross. It just feels more natural. Fit the part, right? <laughs> yeah. I also, this is a little bit of a tangent, but what you were talking about earlier with Sam Kinison and those jokes made me think of something that um, I think also what sometimes get lost gets lost in the conversation about like oh is any topic like you know off limits i think i think that like it really depends on what the butt of the joke is too because i think you can have a joke about any topic without just shitting on like for example like sexist jokes or jokes about sexism like you can have a joke where the the butt of the joke is like haha women should be in the kitchen or you could have a joke like about sexism that like you know is making fun of it like as an institution and i know i'm not like breaking any new ground by saying that but like I, but i think that is a big thing too is it's like i think you can joke about anything but it's like who are you really poking fun at and and like to some extent like yeah obviously the things that people say on stage they don't really mean but i think sometimes you watch a comic and you're like I'm getting a little bit of your worldview, you know? Yeah. Like you watch like Nick DiPaolo or something and it's like, it's like, okay, but you're not, you don't do that act on stage and then go out and like volunteer at a rape crisis center or something, you know? <laughs> like that's kind of the guy you are. So I think it's a little bit of both. Like, but then like Anthony Jeselnik, I started listening to his podcast and he's like, oh, sorry, I'm a pet rabbit and he's getting into stuff. Um, <laughs> And he's like, his jokes are so dark, but then you listen to him talk and he's like, seems like the nicest guy in the world and is very like, he doesn't have this kind of like, oh, fuck PC culture. I just want to piss everybody off. And I feel like, I think people who kind of have that, like, I don't know, sort of like hard on for offending people are like, it's usually actually not very funny. It's like, it's kind of just like so boring. I'm like, oh, you just want to do like hack racist jokes? Like, yeah, was, we, people have been doing that since the eighties. Like, you're, it's not really like edgy or cool. It's just kind of like, lame and like telling about you as a person i think but right i don't know yeah well it's sometimes it feels like um there's almost for, for some comedians there's like an image thing and there's almost like a pressure to uphold a certain image you know mm. what i mean and there are times you wonder with you know some people if that wasn't an image that they sort of cultivated when they were younger and as they grew up they kind of grew up out of being that person but there's still that pressure to like maintain that image that they've had for so long that got them famous to begin with well and especially if that becomes commercially viable you're like why would i give this up that's like who i am that's like my brand like that's got to be a scary thing to step out of that i would imagine right yeah i said like someone with no <laughs> commercial success <laughs> <laughs> well it, it, to me it was always so bizarre um especially with the uh the whole bill cosby situation Mm. Um, because when I was a kid, I had, this is how old I am, I had an audio cassette of one of Bill Cosby's stand-ups, and I used to sit and listen to that thing all the time. It was so hysterical, and of course, he was one of these guys who, you know, throughout his career, built himself as the, you know, the wholesome family, you know, the sort of GPG-rated, you know, comedy, yeah. and 
he was always ragging on comedians who would use foul language and stuff like that. I mean, he'd get really like self-righteous and angry about it. So funny now, but yeah. And lo and behold, we find out he was just roofing everybody. And it's like, okay, so, you know, I guarantee most of those comedians you were picking on who were swearing weren't doing that. So yeah, that's um, what um, I, I guess it's, a, I always think this is interesting to ask um, any comedian. If you were to list like your favorite comedians, like the ones you love, to listen to the ones you really Ooh. um mark Marin. i love mark Marin. doug stanhope mm. um maria bamford morgan murphy morgan murphy's album irish goodbye oh my god morgan murphy all day um and maybe drew michael okay yeah. I'm not being rude. I'm legit like writing these down. So. Oh, no, you're good. Because <laughs> <laughs> a couple I haven't heard of, and that like gets me excited because it's like unfound treasure to me, you know? I'm like oh, Christopher oh, Columbus. I'm so it, doesn't, it doesn't exist until I find it. So yeah. <laughs> then it's brand new. Fantastic. The, um, is there, what's, gosh, I, I feel bad because it sort of feels like the whole comedy scene um especially the stand-up open mic scene is really kind of taking a hit with everything with yeah. corona and everything being shut down and people you know trying to open but does that kind of create a serious lag of just kind of feeling like you're in a holding pattern and just kind of like okay totally i like i've been trying to be really cautious about covid and stuff um so i'm not doing any indoor shows not to talk ill on the clubs i mean the clubs that are that are open right now, I think are being very safe. They're taking all the precautions. They're doing social distancing and cleaning everything and stuff. But, you know, I'm just trying to, and I think everyone's being respectful of people's boundaries at this time, if you're just not comfortable doing indoor stuff. But I've done some shows in parks and stuff and it's, but there was like a good six months there where I didn't do a single show. And it was weird because, I mean, I'm not unique in this. Everyone's in this situation, but like, and every comic is, but like, I've been doing stand up like every day since I was 16. And then all of a sudden I didn't do it for six months in a row. And it was like, I don't know, sort of for me, I was like, I've been doing this for so young, since I was so young, and like my identity has been tied to it for so long, that it's kind of like, oh, who am I without this thing? Like, this has been like my whole fucking life, you know? And it's like, it's like all my whole circle of friends is from that. That's like, I do every day. So it's like, I, I mean, as much as it sucks, I mean, obviously coronavirus is a horrible tragedy, but it just in terms of like social stuff being shut down, I think, oh, I'm so sorry. My phone is going off. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> that was my alarm to... <laughs> wake up if I didn't um but uh that tells you how much of a piece of shit I am is I wasn't gonna wake up until right now but um that I oh that I think hopefully the one good thing to come out of this is like because you see so many jokes that are like I don't know I, let me rephrase that because I don't want to shit on anybody but I think it can become at least for me a little bit like incestuous <laughs> I'm so sorry this fucking rabbit but I think it can become a little bit incestuous where it's like if all you do is stand up, then all you have to talk about is stand up. And that's not really super interesting, I think, on the whole. Not that there aren't good jokes about it. But I think hopefully something cool out of this will be like that if people don't have stand up, that you have to like be alone with your thoughts and be kind of self-reflective and be like, who am I outside this thing? And hopefully my hope is that when people come back, I think we'll all have like a little bit more, I don't know, maybe more unique voice that sounds cheesy but you know what I mean if you spent time to like reflect on yourself like hopefully that makes you like a better artist in some respect that was yeah. a very long-winded 
explanation, but. <laughs> no, I get it. I just, you know, I'm always of the mindset of the thought of being alone with my thoughts is one of the most terrifying things in the world. You know, it's Oh yeah, it sucks ass if you want to kill yourself, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Sometimes I'm thankful I have podcasts and have jobs and have a million hobbies and wife and kids and they keep me distracted because in those few minutes where it's quiet, I don't know what the hell to do. You're like, just, oh like, no, that's me? Oh yeah, no. Yeah. The crushing reality. start like crocheting or something. That's not me. <laughs> that's horrific. The take of woodworking or something to yeah. you know, work, work the anger out. Um, what was it? Um, is, is there like a big difference for you in terms of like, like we had talked before about, you know, being in a shithole and I completely understand that. But to me, it, it always feels like there's a huge difference between a small crowd and a big crowd. Does mm. that have any effect on your performance or how you're feeling throughout the show? If it's like one thing where it's like 12 people or it's like a couple hundred. I was going to say, what do you mean by small crowd? Cause I've played for like two people before and that, <laughs> that, that, that sucks out. I did, so, I did like a show in New York. I was just talking to my boyfriend about this. I did a show in New York where there was like three people in the audience and two of them were like Swedish immigrants who didn't speak English. And it was like, like shit like that it's like yeah that, that like i'm just gonna you just gotta like talk to those people i guess i mean you're basically just hanging out at that point that's not really um but like if it's a bigger thing i don't know because i mean maybe i'm like i kind of have like I, I can do like a cleaner set or a dirtier set but in terms of like maybe you can like be more emotive and bigger and stuff but like I don't know, for me, it doesn't really change that much, but I think it's really interesting to watch like like bigger comics who like, like like watching comics, how their careers change when they start doing theaters, because that is something that I like, obviously can't speak to personally, but like, I think it's cool to watch them like, like, or like John Mulaney or something where it's like, you listen to his first album and it's a little more like conversational. And by the time it gets to a theater, it's like this, big kind of boisterous like you know the, like the, the John Mulaney voice is kind of like built up and like I think that's so cool to watch because it almost feels like watching someone like 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 watching something get like distilled down to like its purest form if that makes sense you know yeah. what I mean it's like it feels like <laughs> boiling water and then like taking whatever you have left at the butt like I don't know so that's cool to watch but I don't know that I'm really like at a point in my career where I've like gotten to experience that that big a size disparity you know like I've mm -hmm. The biggest show I've done is maybe like 500 people, which to me was fucking huge, but to working comics is like, I mean, I guess I'm kind of working comics, but you know what I mean? To like people who are like playing theaters and shit, it's like, yeah, that's, I wouldn't even remember that night. So right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that I'm like experienced enough to really like have worked out the differences of those. I hope that's not too boring an answer. No, <laughs> but that's honest. For me, it was always kind of bizarre, um, and not from a comedy sense. But I used to, you know, I was in when I was in college. I was a history major in college. Oh, cool! Um, and I do a lot of like, I don't know if you'd call it like history shows, but sort of like talks or uh, almost like lectures, even though I didn't have a PhD or anything. Mm. And there were times where I did it in front of crowds of a couple hundred people, which for me was, for whatever reason, was way more comfortable because mm. I feel like it just becomes a massive a faceless mass I'm talking to. Oh, Rather that's than, true. Yeah, yeah. There, were t there were times where it was really unsettling where I'd be like five people and you sort of, you know, to the point where it's so quiet, like they could literally cough and interrupt you or sort of be yeah. like, they, they'd actually feel comfortable enough to stop you mid-sentence and be like, yeah, I had a quick question about that. And you'd be like, I'd be looking at my cards like, no, bro, you can't do that. You're 
fucking up my whole flow. I know? totally <laughs> get what you mean. Where you're like, yeah, there's like this kind of like like tipping point where they become like a group rather than just a bunch of people. Yeah. 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 There was oh God. I, I'll never forget this day. This was probably about eight nine years ago i don't know but i got contacted by this woman via email wanting to know if i could come speak to her association and give a history on women during the civil war and i was like okay i can do that so she gives me the address and i show up and it's this lady's house and her association was seven 80 year old women sitting at her kitchen table having tea and i was just supposed to sit at the head of the table and give this talk. And it was just like, I don't think I'd ever been so uncomfortable in my entire life. They were all sweet. They were wonderful people, but they would like <laughs> interrupt me middle of it. Like, do you want more sugar? And I'd be like, I was, damn it. What note card was I on? You know, it was so unsettling. Dude, you should do stand up. You know so much about comedy and you sounds like you've already done like hell gigs on the road. So <laughs> you're like basically there. That's well, so funny. I, I, I definitely had gigs like that. I've had people say that to me before and I say, you know what, uh, my reaction is always and my response is always, I'm not funny, I'm humorous, I was raised too well to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, 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 maybe it's just a personal joke, like, I don't have enough trauma in my past to be funny. I can be humorous at times, but... <laughs> Yeah, but I, I don't know. I mean, you also see people, though, who are, like, grew up, like, fucking, you know, Mormon and homeschooled and all this shit where, like, they didn't really have, like, a, you know, I don't know. I think some people get, like, like, oh, I have to, I have to be, like, like, I feel like some people are, like, oh, I have to be fucked up. And so then they, like, make themselves fucked up. And it's, like, you didn't make yourself funny or you just, like, became a drug addict. Like, you didn't need to do that. Just, like, be funny. Like, it's not that complicated, but I don't know. Well, and it's not authentic. Like you can tell the comedians who are trying, who are trying yeah. really hard to be bizarre and be out there on purpose rather than that just being their sense of humor. Mm. You know, and you get somebody who's like, I've, and I've seen it before and heard it where somebody's like, gosh, I want a comedian, especially when you get those like, God, I, I don't want to rag on anybody, but sort of like those emulators. Like, you know, I mean, you get that, that comedian who's like desperately wants to be Joe Rogan. Or they desperately want to be like, like every white man in America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bro code thing. I'll I'll be the first to admit. And and it's really really interesting. And it's always then even more interesting when later in life they become successful, mm. not doing that. You know, it's almost kind yeah. Of like, you know, I was I, gonna say like I won't even like not that this is what you're doing, but I won't even knock people who are like. I don't know. I feel like I've done that a lot too. Like, especially when I was really, really early on is like, that's kind of how you start is by emulating people. Cause you're like, Oh, I want to do what these people do. So I'm going to kind of, I mean, obviously you don't want to be like stealing people's jokes or some shit, but like, I think that's really, at least for me, it felt like really normal where it's like, hey, you start off with other people's voice and then, you know, you kind of do that a little bit. And then after a while you're like, Oh no, here's now I kind of see where I fit into this thing. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of people, a lot of people do that where you start off like kind of emulating someone else until you like realize what you actually want to do. Well, I guess in a way it does kind of give you a launch off point, like especially when you don't really know comfort level wise, just like you said, where you fit in the grand scheme of things and, mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff, I guess. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. And I bet uh, early on too, people don't even, you don't really realize you're doing it because you're just mm -hmm. like, oh, well, I watch stand up. I like stand up. So I'm going to do stand up. And then, and then you kind of realize like, oh, well, that was kind of like this person's thing. And like, you start to listen to more stuff and you're like, oh, there's like a whole range of like, I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to remember, um, I got such a kick out of this. I, gosh, I'm, 
don't know if you've ever watched um, The Marvelous Miss Maisel. If you've ever watched that. I've seen a couple episodes, yeah. Yeah, I'm, God, I'm trying to remember the name of the comedian in there who was like one of the very few actual historical, like historically accurate figures who oh, was in there. Oh, was it Lenny Bruce? He's Lenny there, right? Bruce. Yeah, Lenny yeah. Bruce. And I had never heard of Lenny Bruce before until we watched the show. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then was surprised to find out that he was an actual real person, which shows how like historically I am up on comedians because apparently I'm told that comedians just know this guy, that he's like one of the original like godfathers of stand-up comedy. And my wife and I got on YouTube and looked him up and it was amazing how many of his bits he found, we found and how many of his bits were absolutely hysterical. And you're talking 70 years later. Yeah. Seven years later, you're listening to this guy do stand up and you're like, oh my God, that is like, I could, I could see why he was, but there's, there's something interesting there that's sort of like transcendent about comedy that it can sort of like reach over, reach over time and stuff that it, it I think, cause a lot of comedy speaks to the human condition, you know, yeah. like, so something can be funny at one point in time and definitely still be funny a year, a decade, you know, 70 years later. Yeah. Like even like Abbott and Costello, when they had like, who's on first and I was like, I don't know, going through like a big comedy nerd phase where I was like, I need to listen to everything and I need to know the history of this and that. And I like listen to one of their old albums and it's like fucking hilarious. Like, it's like, <laughs> I mean, there's some stuff where I'm like, okay, it's not like, it's not quite as like, maybe like a belly laugh as I would get now just because I think if you listen to so much like, you said like, like Bill Burr, Patrice O'Neill, you're like, okay, I'm a little like desensitized to this shit, but it's like, <laughs> yeah, they're like, it's crazy because I don't know, I kind of think I just assumed like, oh, well, that stuff's going to be outdated and I'm not going to enjoy it, but it's like, and it's like some like old stand-up, I feel like it's like because it doesn't it didn't feel like as much like shock value, or the shock value is so like, and she showed her pearls. And you're like, yeah, that's not surprising <laughs> to me. But but it's so like clever and witty and I don't know. It, yeah, it, it's cool to go back and old stand-up and you're like, oh, they were like real people. Yeah. That had like real thoughts and feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, he did um God, he did this bit, and I don't remember what it was called, but it was like the basic concept of he was doing this routine where he was pretending he was having a house party and an African-American man shows up, which he wasn't expecting. And the the whole like basis of the bit is trying so hard to consciously not be racist that you're coming off as racist, you know? (laughs) That could be written today, yeah. 100%. That's why my wife said, she's like, you could update just a little bit of the language and do that bit today. Also, like, horrifically sad that you're like, oh, racial joke from 1950? Yeah, that holds up. That's horrific. (laughs) I didn't think about it that way, but yeah, we really suck, don't we? Uh, Okay. So, um, what's, um, you, you said you're going to school for acting and screenwriting. If you had your druthers, like, in terms of career trajectory, where would you rather end up writing like the biggest hit sitcom in the world or on the road doing stand up to I don't know uh, definitely my my thing I stand up oh. definitely my angle I like want to do stand- and it just seems like there's kind of like you have to do other stuff to like make money and like I'd love to like write for a show or something and like that would be really cool but stand up is like if I could like only do stand up I would be I'd be very happy that <laughs> yeah because then you then you get to be like the person that people know is the funny one and not the I always think that's funny when especially when any, any kind of sitcom and you think to yourself like oh yeah so and so they're really funny they're really funny it's like okay are they funny because they're not the one writing the script the one mm-hmm. writing the script is funny of course obviously they have the talent have to have the talent the skill to you know give the timing and everything to, to nail that but that that's really really cool 
Um, I think stand-up is just, I mean, I've, always, I've never written a show or anything, but stand-up is just, like, so immediate, and there's not kind of this, like, like, I don't know, if you think of something, then, like, that night you can go up and say it and get a reaction, and, like, I, I think that's, like, a fun process. Yeah. And it seems like a show would be a little more, like, you write it, and then you film it, and then you wait months for it to come out, and then the reviews and shit, and, like, Although, also, who the fuck am I, though, to be like, yeah, I don't really, like, TV's not really my foray. Like, obviously, if I got a chance to do anything, I would jump on it and be, like, so grateful, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, if Lauren Michaels called right now and said, hey, we need you to start writing next season. Yeah, I wouldn't be like, actually, um, on James Finch's show, I said that I wouldn't do stand-up, so I don't know why you haven't listened to that. But... Yeah, I'm not going to be a solo, <laughs> man. <laughs> that, gosh, that, that's really good. Um, so what's um, what's next on the horizon? Is it just kind of waiting for COVID a vaccine? To, yeah, clear up by twenty twenty five or something. And yeah, I'm really trying to be careful and only do outdoor shows right now, which I mean sucks and is really hard. But um, yeah, I mean I'm trying to like I don't know. I'm trying to write a pilot right now. I'm trying to write a screenplay and just like have stuff under my belt and like do other things. And yeah, I mean hopefully hopefully stand up comes back sooner rather than later but i have no idea i'm thinking about starting making rugs i'm just really <laughs> making rugs baking bread i'm turning into like an 80 year old woman but getting really into bonsai trees or something <laughs> yeah exactly that's kind of where my life's headed right now <laughs> am i allowed to ask what the pilot's about or is that under lock and key yet oh sure i mean i don't uh, uh i might be not supposed to because i'm trying to pitch it somewhere so maybe but um but it, it, it's it's uh, i'm writing like an animated show also that Maybe I'm being too precious about this, but I don't know. I've never been in this situation before, so I don't want to yeah, <laughs> get yeah. anybody upset. But um, but yeah, I I'm, the pilot is like based off a character that I used to do. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if it turns into anything. I mean, I don't really know how this like this world works because um, I'm very new to like the actual like kind of I don't know industry side of it. Am I allowed to ask what the character is that you used to do? Yeah, it's just like a, a kind of like a disgusting old lady who curses a lot. <laughs> I think I can say that pretty safely, yeah. Are we talking like filthy urine-smelling old cat lady kind of thing, or? No, not like a creepy, more just a like Jewish grandma kind oh. of a doesn't give a fuck, yeah. Was this, um, is this from life experience or was it just generated content? The more just generated, yeah. And it's still, I don't know, it's still a work in progress. I probably, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll stop asking about it, because. <laughs> oh, I don't know, maybe I'm going to look back on this in a year and be like, you fucking idiot, you could have said every anything about it, who cares, but I truly don't know, like, <laughs> I don't know how it works pitching a show, what I'm allowed to say, so it's going to be on the safe side. I understand that completely. Well, um, I will, I want to, first of all, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast anytime you're like, a, you know, you're doing something like this and... You know, I don't know. A lot of times I try to like put myself in other people's shoes because you just get like randomly contacted from somebody you don't know who's asking you to come on their show and bear your words and whatever and and take time out of your day. I, I'm the kind of person where I think of, I, I like to think I'm the kind of person who would gladly accept like, oh, cool. You want me to be a podcast? Hell yeah, I'll do that. In my mind, I'm like, I don't want to be bothered with that shit. And yet on the <laughs> other hand, I'm emailing people all the time like, hey, you want to come on my podcast? Hey, you want to come on my podcast? And I get mad. I'm like, oh, everybody's ghosting me. What the? So. <laughs> Dude, I'm so down for it. Thank you for having me. This is fun. I'm always down to, yeah, it, it was really cool to like talk about comedy and stuff. Well, I'm, I'm really, really hoping that, um, you know, we can get to a point where we can 
you know, get back to normal. I keep being told that there is no returning to normal, but I certainly hope there is because it felt like the greatest tease in the world were the very first night in my entire life. I got to go to a comedy club and like two days later, the country shut down. So you know? <laughs> it's sort of feel like you finally got to check something out that was really, really cool and awesome. And it was something, you know, I remember leaving that night looking forward to being like, man, we got to do this on a regular basis. Like every time we got a, a you know, a date night or a night where the kids got a sitter, we got to get out and get to a comedy club. Cause it was, it was such an absolute blast. So I'm hoping we get to that point um, for your sake, career-wise, for a lot of people's sake, career-wise, and for my sanity sake-wise. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping we can get to a point where I can, um, yeah, catch you on stage again because we're really, really looking forward to it. So, Thanks so much. Uh, yeah, this is, this is the last. I'm definitely uh, looking forward to it too, for everyone's sake. Okay. So stay cool. safe. Yes, social distance, hand washing, all that <laughs> stuff, the, the new catchphrases, you know. Okay, all right. Well, bye, Maddie. We'll see you later. Bye. Thanks so much. You bet. All right, so that was Maddie. I want to thank everybody for listening to the podcast and for continuing to support us. Um, if you like the show, tell a friend. Tell somebody you don't know. I'm fine with that, too. Um, and if you could continue to like and subscribe and share and... If you happen to listen to this on an Apple device, um, up in the right-hand corner is the spot to give us a review. Leave a review. Every little bit of that helps as we continue to grow this and move forward. want to say I love everybody. You guys are all awesome, and I hope you're doing well, and we'll see you next time.